All right, here we are. Another episode, uh, a little bit of a delayed episode of the 181 Reborn. Uh, it's Mr. Geary. I'm here with... By order of the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> this is the 181. So, uh, you may have guessed from that uh, not too convincing Cockney accent. Oh, we, uh, we are talking the show... We are talking Peaky Blinders today. So, Mr. Decker and I were talking before, uh, talking off the air in the uh, in the newsroom. Uh, this uh, extra time during the pandemic when we're not uh, distance learning and everything else has given us some time to catch up on some shows, new and old. And one of the shows that has been in my queue forever on Netflix, and I finally started finding the time to watch it, has been uh, Peaky Blinders. So finally, finally Mr. Geary. Yes. Um, yeah, it's been around for a while. Well, Mr. Mr. Decker, why don't you give the people a bit of a synopsis of the history of Peaky Blinders? Yeah, no problem. Listen, uh, Peaky Blinders, I think it started in 2015. I think we're on five seasons so far. And it follows a crime family in Birmingham, England. The Shelby family, with I think the patriarch is Thomas Shelby, and it's your classic anti-hero, right? Someone that's a criminal that uh, you're probably not supposed to like or support, but because he's the lead, gets your uh, emotional appeal. Um, he goes in the original season. He's leading this local gang, the Peaky Blinders. I don't know if I ever really learned why they're called the Peaky Blinders. Well, I do know that. I just right, got out. We should also tell the audience too. The show takes place. Season one begins in 1919. Right out, right after World War One. These right guys out. are all returning World War One vets. Fought for England. Fought for the King. Fought with valor, which is interesting. They're all. Uh, decorated soldiers yet they're also criminals so peaky blinders i believe comes from the term it refers to the hats that they wear those sort of newsboy caps yeah yeah they're they're weapons of mass destruction they got <laughs> those are called peakies and then the blinder part comes from the fact that they hide razor blades in the the brims of the hats so throughout the seasons even as their wardrobe sort of improves, uh, these guys usually keep wearing their peaky hats. And every once in a while, they're called upon when there's no other weapon at hand. They need to use uh, the razor blades in their hats to uh, scratch or cut someone. So I believe that is where the term comes from. The razor blades they keep in their hats. The that sounds hats. too perfect, I think, Mr. That sounds too perfect. I think that is where it comes from. Um Peaky Blinders 2 are very loosely based on a real gang. Yeah, very uh, loosely. I, if I remember my history correct, they were actually probably disbanded by the, uh, or their their time as a powerful gang ended at around 19, uh, 19, 1920. Uh, that was the end of their reign. And it kind of shows in this television show, obviously, that it's them getting more and more powerful. Yeah, not being a street gang anymore. The, the, no. the whole the whole premise, like a lot of these shows, is they want to go legit. Yet yeah, every season they seem to not be going legit. But their their goal early on is to turn all their their uh, illegitimate business, illegal business, into legitimate business. Yeah. Um, 
and their main avenue of business, at least when the series starts, is uh, horse betting. Uh, they yeah. they are involved with gambling and horse betting. Uh, well, involved mostly with fixing the horse racing and yes. running the book, so that they are tipped off to who wins and who loses, and 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 betting uh, heavily on those that they know are going to win. So there is no gambling about it. True. Yes. So they they collect. Uh, yep. So. Uh, so as the seasons go on, they jump ahead every few years, and uh, the whole show is about the rise in power and fortunes of the Peaky Blinders gang. Yeah, it's great. It's got a whole family dynamic, so you have that drama going on, uh, and you have uh, Thomas Shelby's internal ghost from World War One, internal ghost from his relationships uh, that kind of drive him to be the the anti-hero, like I said earlier, uh, of the show. You want to not like him, but you end up liking him for the most part, I would say. Uh, possibly. That might be a point of discussion for later on. But uh, well, let's talk about, Mr. Decker, what uh, what works for you for this yeah. show. So, listen, I, I know I'm a history person. I am uh, biased towards these historical dramas i love this world that they create there i feel like i can smell the factory when i'm in the small heath um i feel like i can i feel the 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 coal that is being shoveled there it is such a grimy world that they create their their accents the way they talk is pitch perfect mm. i love that like you said cockney language it's so good that i really have to turn on the closed captioning to, sometimes to understand what is being said I cannot watch this show without the captions. Yes, so uh, I have to put it on too. And uh, I've I've asked a friend of the show, Mr. Tomlin, who is an Anglophone. Is that the word? Angla Anglophile. Anglophile. Uh, how close they get the accents? And he yeah. said it's not perfect, but it is pretty close to what the people in that area would have spoken. Uh, I, have, I have never read a better television show in my life. Yes, it is sort of meaty and, and deep. Um, I like, uh, like you said, I, I enjoy the setting. I, I'm always wondering where did they film this? Is it in a stage? Is it? Um, I also find myself Googling a lot of the locations when I watch it because this is a part of England. Yeah. I've heard of Birmingham, but I know I didn't know where like the outer Birmingham places are where the, the kind of suburbs where they migrate to. Uh, I didn't know what small Heath was. So I find myself looking up the, the places in London and the places in England where they go. Uh, I love the, the clothes. I mean, we talked uh, when we had our uh, last dance show a few weeks ago, we talked about the, the, the horrific styles of the nineties on display in the last dance. Right. And we talked about how certain errors, the clothing never goes out of style. And I just think the clothing on that show by and large from a hundred years ago, still would look completely sharp today. Just like the, the shirts and, and the, the, the ties and the jackets. Um, just everybody looks well, good. I came this close to purchasing a, a suit a Shelby suit there. I was online. I had located it. It was the the classic old English suit with three three pieces there, and uh, I was hovering over it. 
and I just couldn't I couldn't pull the button, but I was this close to buying that suit. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and I love sort of the uh, the contrast of you have these like these brawling nasty guys mm. who do all their dirty work in these beautiful three piece suits and these flowing coats and jackets, and yet they're 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 ruffians, you know. Yeah, which uh -huh. leads me to the, the the next thing I like about it really is the visuals of the television show, Mr. Gary. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's a grimy world, nothing looks more beautiful. The way they filmed it, the colors, that contrast, the way it pops, like you would think it's a, a dirty, grimy, gray world, but really it's a beautiful world of the way they film it. Now, I know that they have all these filters that they can add color into it but i mean visually it's stunning what, what what comes across on the television yeah i mean the 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 production value in this show has got to be sky high i mean they do they do six episodes a season and there's only one season per year or something like that so it does seem they uh they they parcel out the money you the, the money's on the screen as they say uh, <laughs> speaking of money the casting for this show too, I think, is usually pitch perfect. Uh, there's certain um, the actress who plays Aunt Polly, Helen McCrory, familiar yeah. to Harry Potter fans, great English actress. Um, Killian Murphy plays uh, Tom Shelby, yeah, Tom Shelby, and he's mesmerizing. Um, the guy that plays his brother, I'm not familiar with, but he, the the, the actor that plays Arthur, is yeah. excellent. And I then now um, yeah, listen, Mr. Geary, yes, uh, I don't want to cut you off here, but do you find Thomas Shelby a little flat? Would you do you want do you? Is it the way the character's written? Is it a little flat? Like he is, or his acting is a little flat? Like I don't like his emotions. Sometimes I, it leaves me a little bit to be desired. Um, I do think I, I find the way he plays that character interesting because there's always sort of that quiet menace about him. Yeah. Um, I think they sort of explain that too. I think we're meant to understand just the the uh, what these characters lost in the war. I mean, I think that is sort of reference in the first few seasons like these characters were at least thomas had a lot more life to him before the war right and he's come home now and is sort of just like a uh you know coiled coiled beast um i i mean i find the look of him he's just his eyes and his his calm demeanor um is sort of scary i mean i do find at times I think they play up this idea of like he's the scariest man in the world, you know, when he walks in a room or walks down the street. But I think the implication of violence is enough that he's able to sort of rule without having to raise his voice or raise his fists all that often. Um, whereas the, 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 his character of his brother is the complete opposite. Um, I thought the casting of Tom Hardy and the actor that plays um so thomas hardy plays uh the head of the jewish crime family in um yes. london. In and, london. Then, and then the actor that plays uh the head of the italian family both of them sort of play their characters as sort of odd and strange um yes. so i like that casting i think it's a good counterpoint to the uh 
the Shelby family. And I, do I love know- Thomas. Yeah, I love Thomas Hardy as Alfie. Yeah, I love um, him in everything. So the fact that he's yeah. in the show. He's- he is tremendous. I love their head-to-head scenes. It's kind of like the Pacino and De Niro scenes there when the two go, go at it. Um, and like, that's acting, my friend. That is acting. He is going after it. He is going all out. Give me the ball. I want to shoot because he's, he, he's, and I love that his face keeps getting like worse and worse as the seasons progress. Keep an eye on his face. Uh, he's got some like skin conditions that keeps like de- deteriorating his, um, it's well, interesting you say that because he currently is in well he's not in theaters he's on streaming he's in that new capone movie oh, and the premise of that movie is capone's like last days when he was deteriorating from syphilis and his body is falling apart so thomas oh. hardy uh, drawn to those characters i would be interested to f- read how much of how he plays that character was in the script and how much is him just being Tom Hardy and sort of yeah. playing it any way he, he, so, uh, he so chooses. Um, but I do think they bring in these interesting... I know Adrian Brody shows up uh, soon enough as... He's, uh, he's a little too much. He's a little too much for me. I, he's no Thomas Hardy. Uh, they just they get these sort of hammy actors to kind of run loose in this show. Yeah. And I think that, you know... There's only six episodes, so they don't have to make a big commitment. So they're able to get these guys and sort of let them loose in the world of Peaky Blinders. Um, I do enjoy, too, another uh, thing I enjoy is uh, I, I like the time jumps between. It reminds me of the series Vikings, where yes. they don't, you know, they're able to tell a bigger story because every season or so, jumps ahead a few years and they and through some implicit uh exposition you can figure out what happened in those intervening years without them having to waste episodes showing you so they're able to jump ahead years and years and tell a long story like mad men did like vikings does um you know shows like that that jump ahead years so i do like that um it's good to keep the seasons moving along. How about, uh, is there anything else there? Or are we moving on to uh, what we would, I don't know if we say don't like or what doesn't work? We could talk about what doesn't work. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, so what doesn't work for you, Mr. Decker? Well, I'll tell you. It bothers me sometimes when we start, like the, the show's premise is small time crook versus small time cop, right? Yeah, your local crook versus your local cop. That's an interesting, yeah. excellent story in Birmingham. Uh, and the season continues to get more and more ridiculous as we go on. To the point, like on season five, he's a member of parliament and he's making decisions on the national level. Like, we don't need that. I just need to see Thomas Shelby on the local level. Um, yep, I could, uh, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, it, it it's sort of... I mean, it definitely makes the argument for shows that kind of get in and get out, don't linger for seasons on end. Uh, I think of a show like Sons of Anarchy, which I always love. But as that show went on, the premise and the plotting got crazier and crazier and crazier. And again, they went from the sort of the local bike gang 
to becoming yeah. this like criminal army that could never be stopped <laughs> and with somehow these bunch of you know probably all high school dropouts like were able to outwit everyone that came in their path uh so there's plenty of shows that do um kind of get out of control before you know as they go on um i i'm stuck right now in season three and what sort of has me stuck at the moment is um i i find you know you alluded to it before the problem with thomas shelby um my problem is it's it's tough to relate to these characters i mean they're so bad and so nasty i thought what was going to happen as the seasons went on was they were going to become sort of like these robin hood figures and sort yeah. of bring money back to birmingham and thus kind of something redeemable about them yes and i think there's a little bit of that idea like in sons of anarchy where the people tolerate them because they kind of keep other crime out of uh redwood or wherever town in california they are yeah i don't see what the benefit of having the shelby family in town is except to terrorize everybody and sort of um just manipulate people and not bring much back you know they they, they go back and visit birmingham and it's still an absolute like you know disgusting coal yeah. Um, and, and I'm torn too a little bit because for the most part, I would say that they probably escape punishment for whatever other nasty deeds they do. They, Thomas Shelby always manages to wiggle his way and escape punishment. Um, so you would think like, what's the story that the producer director is trying to tell? Are they trying to tell the story where if you act like this, you know what's the end result going to be that being said thomas shelby is a tortured character he's tortured by the by the war he's tortured by the lost uh love of his life and he's tortured by the death uh death of another main character that i don't know if you've seen that yet so i don't, I don't know. know i know he lost his wife that's about it so there's, there's another main character so i mean it depends on how how you want to look at it. Like he's a terrible person, but is the deaths of and the 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 negative experiences that he went through is that enough of a punishment? Because there doesn't seem to be any love for for the law there. Uh, and the the law is always the bumbling idiots that he has under his control. Yes, and I'm always interested, like in shows like this. Uh, that he was a soldier and we we are reminded he acted with valor yeah. and the guys in sons of anarchy the older guys fought in vietnam and you see a lot of these shows where these kind of lawless men were also soldiers so i'm always curious well, what made them sign on and what were they fighting for at that time when you know it's clear they don't have much use for any authority or law or way of life when they come home um so like why did thomas shelby sign up to like what you know he seems like to have complete disdain for his country and laws and anything yet he fought with valor for that country and for his yeah. king yeah. Uh, i think of the dealings with uh the irish and the russians and he, there doesn't seem to be any nationalistic angle to it um, you know, 
And, and I think he says, you know, we're looking out for us now a little bit, you know, it's. Yeah. And maybe there's that. Selfish. So this is, this is our time. We, you know, the part of it is they're the underclass, right? They, they grew up very poor and it's, we are fighting now to be accepted into this society. Oh, you're not going to accept us. Then we're just going to take whatever take. we want anyways. Uh, but then there's the part where you're saying, well, give that back and share some of that wealth. Yeah. Instead of just using these people in the small teeth as your pawns in the game. As your, yeah. I mean, I think of that episode where, uh, or the, the, the beginning of season three, when they're, they're running that, they're selling tanks to the Russians yeah. and they just sort of hijack <coughs> that guy's car company. And, you know, there's nothing yeah. he can do about it. I mean, they're yeah. paying him, but, um, which speaks to the ridiculous enough, right? The small time, small time criminal is uh, selling yeah. tanks to the Russians. Yeah, that it, that's when. How is that happening? Yeah. So I, I wish the stories were a bit smaller. Uh, it does remind me, though. I would like to recommend two similar series, neither of which are as popular as Ripper Street or as um, Peaky Blinders. One of those series is Ripper Street. Have you ever seen that? I have not. I've heard of it. I have not seen it. So Ripper Street takes place in 1889 in London, and it involves the uh, police department that was charged with chasing after Jack the Ripper. And it's a year after the Ripper murders. And there is always the fear that Jack the Ripper is back. So it's sort of a police procedural. Um, and one of the characters is so the main character is british his partner is a civil war doctor who is hiding out in england under an assumed name so he's an american so they're uh, in the Whitechapel district uh solving crimes and then the other show is sort of forgotten the time but it was this show called copper Yes, I remember Copper. Yeah, I watched the first couple episodes of that. So that show takes place in like late 19th century New York. And it's an Irish immigrant who is a cop. And he's, uh, and you know who his partner is? It's Bronn from uh, Game of Thrones, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yes, I do. I do remember. I did watch a couple of episodes of that. So, yeah. So if you like the period police dramas or crime shows, those would be two. Yeah, and but, listen, this show's a good show. Don't get us wrong. It's got 92% of Rotten Tomatoes. I, uh, I like it. It's worth, it's worth a watch. It is uh, maybe a notch below peak Golden Age TV, but it is yeah. still pretty good. Um, so, Mr. Decker, speaking of yeah. TV shows, what uh, what are we watching in the Decker household these days? So, listen, uh, it's time for our favorite segment, What Are We Watching? I like this second segment there. We offer up after the main course a little dessert for you. An opportunity, you will. Yeah, I know uh, the people have been clamoring for my takes. Um, and I tell you that we are loving 90 Day Fiance at our house before the 90 days. There's a woman, <laughs> in, there's a woman in there that is from Middletown, Connecticut. And so we love checking out the local. Really? Yep. Yeah, uh, we love checking out the local scene, uh, especially as they're going over. Um, oh, geez, I can't think of her that person's name now but uh trust me there's someone that's from middletown connecticut all right uh, that being said um i could i could talk for an hour on that what i really want to talk to you about 
is two teen dramas that I've been watching. I have a teenage boy in the house that suggested to me to watch Outer Banks. Are you familiar yeah. with this program, Mr. Gary? It's, on our, it's in our queue because... Uh, well, let me tell you, Mr. Gary. <laughs> bury it. My in-laws are watching it right now. My, no. my 70-year-old father-in-law is into the Outer Banks show. No, he's not. Yeah, he's doing well because they go down to the Outer Banks. They're like, oh being, yeah. man, so maybe he's watching it as a travel log and not his actual television. <laughs> um, the show I'd like to compare that to is a movie called The Half of It. All right, these are two takes on the teenage drama and the teenage existence. One takes a real look at uh, relationships in a lighthearted, fun way. The other does its best to blow you out of the water like it's cops, like it's Michael Bay on cops on the Outer Banks. I've got a gajillion dollars to spend. How can I blow it up? I. They hate adults on the television show Outer Banks. Oh, I hate shows like that. Sorry. There is no respect. First of all, the main characters in the Outer Banks are all 16 years old. But played by like 29 year olds. Uh, play, well, the main the main, main boy character is 27. Uh, and and the girl is 23. And uh, yeah, so they're spending most of the day drinking and smoking and with no adult in sight, right? Uh, it's unclear what year, what time of year it is. Like uh, it starts off, oh, we're, we're going to be in the summer. But no, then they're talking about, hey, you should be going to school. Oh. So uh, and of course, the, the main character here uh, has no parents at his house. He's just living by himself. Yeah, no wonder kids love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, wish fulfillment for them. It is. It is, and there's such a disdain for. Now, this is making me mad. As a father, you can see I'm getting fired up. There's such a disdain for parenting going on here. I don't know how many times the parents say, "Hey, don't do that," and the kids just turn around and walk away from their parent. Disgusting. No, we, we don't need that. They're, we don't need that on TV. Now compare that to the half of it. Netflix movie. I don't know when it came out. Probably came out uh, a couple weeks ago, but rather yeah, topical. Really I've been seeing it pop up there. The half of it, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. 96%. The half of it is something you should watch. It follows a young Asian American girl. Yes, I have seen the try. I know what this is. Yeah. Yeah, who is uh, her father's widow. So uh, she kind of is taking care of the home and taking care of her dad, who's very sad, who um, is extremely intelligent um, and is kind of posed with, and I, I, we've seen this played in a couple of movies, this kind of idea where there's um, the dumb jock football player is falling in love with the pretty girl. Oh, boy. That old... But he doesn't know how to talk to her, so he makes friends with uh, the smart girl to see uh, if she can help him to craft love letters to talk to her. And Bergerac or the movie Roxanne. Yes, and then a triangle ensues. Um, lighthearted, heartfelt, um, excellent programming. What I would suggest among all others, watch it tonight, the half of it. Okay. Um, well, I have been, uh, so 
I've been trying to catch up on some shows. So one show that I'd wanted to watch when it came out, but we didn't have HBO at the time. And then we started watching it a couple weeks ago when we had a free week HBO, and then we just sprung for HBO. So they they got us. Uh, is Watchmen, which uh, I'm a huge fan of the original graphic novel Watchmen. So this was uh, came out during the winter on HBO. And it was it, an HBO, yeah. And I remember was it in a movie? At, at, uh, was, movie was a recreation of the graphic novel. This is a sort of sequel to the original story uh they call it a remix of the original watchmen so it is uh, doesn't always work but it is a fascinating blend of superheroes and police story and they they mix in the racial history of america and it takes place in oklahoma which is not always a state we see shows like this take place in uh, there's new characters, old characters. Um, it, it's a pretty fascinating mix of all these ideas. Uh, it's, it's, it's creator. Damon Lindelof is uh, one of the men behind Lost and yeah. Leftovers. So this is a show brimming with ideas. Uh, another HBO series we are currently watching is The Outsider, which is a... Uh, it's a Stephen King adaptation, but uh, the people behind this show, um, Richard Price and Dennis Lehane are involved with it. So there's very much a crime procedural story. Uh, it reminds me a lot of this show on HBO from a few years ago, The Night Of. Oh, yes. I love The Night Of. And some characters, some actors from The Night Of are in this. So it is an interesting blend of a very sort of serious somewhat slow moving but not boring crime show a little a little like a true detective or like the night of but it also is a stephen king story so there's a there's a this bizarre supernatural element to it um and we're finding it pretty fascinating um also i didn't mention this off air but um I'm watching right now the 30 for 30 at ESPN about Lance Armstrong. And yeah, I, I think maybe we should save that one for because yes. uh, I, I could be a main course because I got some thoughts on that one. I absolutely do too. I find it, I'm, I'm compelled by it. So, yes, let's save that. But finally, another possible main course uh, we finished the Amazon Prime series upload which we absolutely loved. Yes, the last episode seemed a little jarring compared to the rest of the series, but by and large, I thought that show was was near perfect. Save, save that one too. Um, I watched it on a lark with my wife. We threw it on one day when, it might've been over Memorial Day weekend where we were just sitting down and had a moment I said, Mr. Geary recommended this. Let's give it a shot. And then like four episodes later, we were like, oh, this is pretty good. We're into it. We so, blasted through it. Yeah. I, so. yeah, I, it's, it's good thoughts on that too. All right, then. Sounds like we have some uh, future episodes in the hopper here. So yeah, catch up uh, on upload. Put that on Amazon, right? Let's Amazon Prime. Yep. So let's uh, wrap up this episode and hopefully we'll get back sooner than later and talk about uh, upload 
and talk about the uh, Lance Armstrong 30 for 30. So uh, this is Mr. Geary. By order of the Peaky Blinders. It is Mr. Decker. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. See ya.